tuning in to episode one of Genealogy Showcase, a thought-provoking discussion of how and why we study family history. I am Jeff, the show host. When a relative of a past generation has researched the family history and then passed it down, what do you do with it? Today, we talk with a genealogist who has turned her father's research into a website online since the year 2000 that has grown into a massive research project of her own. On with the show, my conversation with Susan Leach Snyder. Anyway, start out, uh, let's see, I got uh, I got some questions, but I'd rather it go more conversational rather than just me asking a bunch of stuff. So okay. <laughs> hopefully I can add to it and be uh, an active part of this conversation with there being two of us. It's probably pretty important. <laughs> Well, I can ask you questions too, right? I'll certainly can. Certainly can. <laughs> so, uh, how long have you been studying your family's genealogy? Uh, that, that actually funny you mentioned that. that was going to be my first question for you. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I've been doing it for about ten or eleven years, off and on. The last five years, very seriously. I went to my first conference. Uh, it was the National Genealogical Society when it was here in Cincinnati. It was my first conference, it, you know, and the fact that it was here in town, I jumped at the chance to check it out. And uh-huh. I met so many people when they were all telling me oh, the Ohio Genealogical Society had a booth there. And the people staff in that booth were like, oh, you got to, you know, we just had ours, but you got to come next year. We're having ours downtown, you know, right across the street. And I was like, oh, great, you know, so... I jumped at the opportunity to go to that, and I've been going. I've, I've actually signed up for about maybe eight of them this year. I've been to, wow. I've been to I've been to two conferences. One of them was not genealogical related. Uh, the other one was a uh, was a podcasting conference. I went to Roots Tech, and then I just got back from an institute. And so about every every month, I've got one or two conferences or something wow. to go to. My goodness. Yeah. How long have you been doing it? Well, if you count when I started doing it, I didn't, and I didn't know I was doing it. My father was uh, studying the genealogy. He started the whole process for our family back in the 50s. So I was just a little girl being dragged along with my brother to the cemeteries on Sundays. <laughs> we thought it was the most boring thing we could be doing that day. And that was, you know, back then there was no Internet. There, the only way to, to trace anything was to write letters and go to courthouses and go to cemeteries. So I was doing it, but I didn't know I was doing it. Then when I retired from teaching in 2000, I thought, well, you know, it'd be kind of fun to pick up where Dad left off. He worked on it through the 70s, and then he was getting up in age. And uh, so actually a couple of years before he died, I started up, and we would do it together a little bit. But then I got into the technology, and he was just amazed at what I could come up with off the Internet. So I started putting it on the website, and then he was really amazed. Um, and once I started putting it on the website, then I started getting hits from people that were Googling the names, and they would correspond with me and share. And, I, I mean, I got so many interesting things from the people that were trying to find out information from me, and we were swapping information, but I got some things I would never have gotten had they not contacted me, like Family Bible information and the trip that you read about where I went to the home of my great-great-great-great-grandfather's house, still standing, and <clears throat> had a fellow in Greensboro, North Carolina, meet me and give me my 
my great-grandfather's Masonic coin. All three of those were all people Googling names that came up with my website. You know, I haven't been to any conferences. It's just been kind of sitting around and playing on the computer and, and scanning pictures and just I've got so much information that I, <laughs> I, I have gone to uh, some of the research libraries around um, Circleville, Ohio, has a lot of information. I was handling original documents from my third great-grandfather's land deeds and things like that. Oh, great. So, you got uh, uh, a family Bible. When you come across something like that, how was how that? Did somebody give that to you? Did you ask for it? No, they scanned the pages from it. Okay. And I got the, the marriages and the deaths uh, and um, the births of the family members, which confirmed what I had. And then I could use those scans to put onto my website and give the credit to the person who sent it to me. And then I had other people um, who would hit my uh, computer uh, screen, you know, with, with my website. And that page actually opened up all kinds of, of things for them. Um, it, it's just been an amazing kind of thing where you don't, you're going for one thing and you end up getting six other things. So Now you have a, you have a website with, with a lot of information on it, which attracts people to you. Has that given you an opportunity to converse with a lot of people researching the same families? Yes, yes, and we can we confirm or deny things, uh, trying to confirm things whether the dates are correct and the and the relationships are correct, and and since they're usually cousins, you know they're not direct, uh, even third generation cousins. They might be fourth and fifth generation cousins. Like, what are you and I? I, I don't remember <laughs> fifth, something like that, um, because you're you're direct descendants are brothers and sisters of mine, then I get more information about the siblings, which helps to figure out more information um, that can help learn about their parents. I think it's a lot more productive when you have your cross lines, you know, the brothers and sisters of of your ancestors up there as well, uh, because not everybody that's searching on your family is going to be searching in the name of your ancestor they're going to be researching a brother or a sister or somebody in the family, but not necessarily somebody that you're descended from. Absolutely. And when I started out, I wasn't doing that. And then I found that I should, you know, and, and for the reasons that you're saying. Um, and I ended up having a cousin. It was, it was actually my grandmother's uh, cousin whose daughter contacted me, and we got my aunt and her mother together, uh, and they were both in their 90s, and they'd lost track of each other. And before they died, they could communicate, kind of, you know, share share memories with each other, and that would never have happened had I only had my own direct descendants or ancestors there. That's one thing that I've got to learn is to put more information on some of those cross lateral lines to attract people to it well what i tried what i try to do is to color code it since you can do that with type um and font you could do font differences too is i try to give credit to my source 
And if I'm not very sure about the source, I say that right on it. You know, I, you know, this needs to be further checked out or whatever. Um, so that by color coding, I can kind of tell where I got it from and, and how legitimate it is. And somebody else can do the same thing. I can see where it came from. So, you know, I probably shouldn't put things out I'm not 100% sure of, but I'm I'm not 100% sure of anything, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of things that are, you know, obituaries aren't accurate, and, you know, the death certificate isn't accurate, and the census certainly aren't accurate. And I've, I've come across all kinds of spelling errors and age errors and birthdays that aren't the right birthday because people were lying about it. And so you, you kind of have to give your source and then say, well, one of these may be right, <laughs> but I'm not sure which one. Well, how do you typically verify that your research is accurate? Well, I look, you know, <clears throat> I look at where I'm getting it from. The, the, the census records are fair. They're not 100%. Um, family Bibles aren't always accurate, but they're not bad. Um, letters if you get personal letters from people that are dated, you know, they're, they're not looking back in time, but they were dated at the time, talking about occurrences. I, I know I got one letter, and again, this was somebody Googling, the name Lecta Leach, with the last name Leach, they were Googling Leach and came across <clears throat> my website on Lecta's father, and she, this person had a letter, and they were sorting things Somebody had passed away, and it really wasn't a, a, an ancestor of theirs. It was a stepmother, and he wanted to put things with the right families, and so he he actually sent me the letter. And Lect is talking to her mother about um, her first teaching job, and so, you know, you could figure out where she was. She had the date on it. She, we knew how old she was, and, uh, and so I, I would say that that's a pretty accurate thing there. And talking about her uncle Eliza, Eliza being sick, so that gave me kind of a relationship. The date when he passed away, at least I knew he lived after when she saw him. So you know, there's a lot to be said about the accuracy. I, I know a lot of the things on Ancestry.com that I get on, just they don't make sense. You, know, you, you look at the numbers, and somebody can't be giving birth at 56 years of age. Um, or shouldn't shouldn't it shouldn't possibly be be right? It should be checked out anyway. Or giving birth before they were born. <laughs> or being four years old when they get married. You know, it's it's things like that. What else are they not checking? Well, I had that in the Latter Day Saints. They had two different generations mixed in together, saying that they were all the same generation, and I know they weren't. You know, got all kinds of proof that they weren't, and. Uh, yeah, that's just really confusing for the person who is just initially starting out and trying to figure things out, to have all that just thrown at them, and it, it isn't accurate at all. So, you know, checking things out is uh, sometimes not all that easy, and it certainly takes a lot of time. Do you have a, a specific way of doing source citations? I don't have the time to go back and change everything. I've got probably somewhere about around 500 web pages now out with individuals, and then there are side pages too with certificates and census 
and uh, land deeds and maps and you know all of that so had i started earlier doing it the right way it would have been a lot easier yeah 500 pages wow that's uh, quite a collection there it's it's a huge volume of people yeah and C- some of them i know an awful lot about and some i don't i, I put an aunt on on my website it was a single aunt she had never married and she was an artist and I put, uh, I found all her artwork. She worked for a department store and did uh, graphic arts, art projects with dresses and typewriters and all kinds of things for a newspaper for the, for the department store. So I scanned every one of those things and tried to put them in chronological order and made it, it took three web pages for that. There was so much information on it and I've had several hits where other people were Googling the Lazarus department store, came across that, and their mother or cousin or whatever had worked with my aunt, and they've contacted me. But, yeah, and I've got a, a grandfather who was a judge, and I've got all his campaign information and recordings of his voice on a, on a record that he made in the 30s describing what, what the different judges are doing. And I've got my dad's voice where he was at the uh, World's Fair, 16 years old at the World's Fair of 1939. So what I try to do is to make these people come alive. It's not just dates that they were born and they died, but what did they do? What was life like? Um, what were their interests? That kind of thing. Yeah, uh, know them as people. Yeah. Uh, can you think of a, a question that you had about any of your ancestors that was just really tough? One that you actually found an answer to, but you just really had a hard time getting to the conclusion? Well, I, I think I wrote to you about one. Uh, the uh, great-great-great-grandfather had a name my father had found. Um, his name was Francis Mettler. I knew the general location where he lived, but I really didn't know a whole lot more about him, didn't know where he was buried or anything. So I went to the library and got a hold of information that had been organized during Roosevelt's administration about all of the Revolutionary War on uh, patriots and where they, were bo- where they were born and where they died, where they're buried. And that opened up everything because then I got the cemetery and then I found the tombstone actually buried underneath a tree and found his his children there and his wife and and got more and more information just from finding the location of his cemetery plot so that's the kind of thing that you you know you you're going after one thing and you end up with a whole lot of other things was that on-site research was oh it... yeah we drove around yeah. in fact uh my husband went with me and we we knew it was in a particular city, and so we found that little city. It's a little tiny town, <clears throat> and they had two cemeteries on the same hill. He climbed up this hill, and so I went on to the right cemetery and had him go to the left cemetery, and we started looking at tombstone names. And the last name was Mettler, so I found Mettler, and I said, come on over here, Jim. And so he joined me, and we started looking, and as we were looking, the Mettler names kept becoming older the, the tombstones became older as you moved to the right. So we kept moving to the right, and we came to a tree. And so we thought, well, maybe there's something under this tree. He was supposed to be buried here somewhere, and he's in, you know. So we started trimming under the tree, getting the poison ivy out and everything else, and there was a stone. 
so yeah, we were physically there. And then I went to, I found some maps of my several other great great grandfathers, and I found out after looking at the map that three of my ancestors, three different grandfathers, uh, several was were great greats, and one was a great great great, all lived as neighbors, and their children were marrying each other, and that's how I ended up being who I am, you know, and. So we found the land, and it's all farmland, still is farmland, and I took pictures of it and put that on the website. So I've got the, the land map on there as well as the pictures of what it looks like today. I've been to a, a cemetery in North Carolina where I've got a lot of, I think it's five generations back, buried in a farmer's field. Uh, the farmer still owns the property, but the historical society takes care of the of the inside of the cemetery and you have to call them up ahead of time and have it mowed or you're walking through snake infested grass it's waist high you get in there after it's been mowed and there's been a gl a, a person do research on where the stones were at a particular time she was studying them she made a map so you have a map you can use I think I get that offline and put the map with me and I looked around and I found some stones and I didn't find some that were supposed to be there so we probed a little bit and found some stones and uh, I had uh, two co- three cousins well uh, two first cousins and a second cousin of my mother with me and we were all doing this so it's a great way to get out of the house and get your whole family involved and we were all pretty excited about finding these stones <laughs> Had to get out there and put the footwork in. Uh, start well, working. we had the map, but it was, you know, it, was a, it wasn't, there was nothing done with GPS at that time when the map was made, and and some of the stones uh, had disappeared simply because of erosion. They, they'd been buried. You know, the, the ground had swallowed them up. Do you have a favorite type of source that you work with? Well, my my best source was my father's research that he did and he got me started i mean he had all of the the bones of the thing and i'm building i'm putting the flesh on it now he did an incredible job he was an attorney and very very precise and in his accuracy he was he was making sure things were accurate and he you know as i said he he got it back 13 generations some of a couple of places i found he was he was wrong but most places he's not. He was not inaccurate at all. It was very accurate uh, because he was writing to uh, city, you know, places where he, county courthouses and things and asking for help. And back then they were doing that. All right. He would have done this without the uh, help of the Internet. No yeah. Internet. No. We're talking yeah. about in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Right. But he had an incredible amount of. He had the births, the deaths, and, and, you know, some of the cemeterial things and their kids. And and from that, then, I could build the person. I could find out more about them, the area they grew up, and and uh, get the census and find out what they were doing for a living and just kind of put some flesh on the bones. Dad had the bones, and I got the flesh and put adding flesh now to make them human. Do you find that it's pretty much the same procedure for each of your lines, or, or are they all different, taking you in different directions as far as what sources to look at? Yeah, different sources. The, uh, the, my mother's family were very religious, and the best sources for them were the church records. 
whereas my father's family was not as religious, and the land information and the, the family Bible, as I said, did come in handy, but they weren't going to church. The family in North Carolina were deacons in the church and, and, and ministers and all that, and so the records were quite good. So you've got to, you know, you've got to look at what were they doing at the time, and then look at what kind of things could be written about them. I, I mean, I, I went to, as I said, Circleville, Ohio, at one point, and I got into some of the books that were written by people about family members or little towns near the Circleville area. Came across a grandfather that, I, or great, 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 great grandfather, who was born in Scotland, and, and there was some magazine-type book. They weren't really books, but articles written about him. And he'd gone off um, to New Orleans for some reason, and that was a long trip back in, in 1822, and he got cholera. He never made it back. And so his wife ran an inn in Kingston, which is Pickaway County, with one of her sons. And uh, she lived quite long, um, a long time and one of, the, one of the visitors, and I think this happened while she was in charge and her husband was gone, but it was before he had died, President James Monroe stopped for dinner at the tavern. And, of course, that was an important thing, so that made this little magazine, which was passed on and kept in the little township. So if you get to these little libraries, it's incredible what they've got. You don't know that it's all accurate, but at least you're getting some story there. Mm-hmm. That story came from, you said it was a magazine that you found in the library? Yeah, it was a little magazine um, article. How long How long after the event was that published? I don't remember. Um, it was not an old thing. It was, it was like one of these things where people were doing a history of their little town, and they've gathered material together, and then they write a uh, centennial report or something like that. So... I don't know how, how much after the fact I didn't didn't copy that information down, which I should have. Something mm-hmm. to go back and look at again. That's a pretty nice story to hold on to. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. You know, I wonder if there's a if there's a way that you can look into that and get some either more information or somehow. Well, I, I did get information that that uh, President Monroe was touring this part that part of the country at that time. So the time was right. Well, that's certainly a start. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I know a lot of the presidents have presidential libraries. I don't know if there's one for Monroe or not, but if he does, it, it might be something worth looking into. Mm-hmm. These presidential libraries. I, I know I go to the, the Hayes one is up in northern Ohio, and I go to that frequently. And not that I'm a close relative or anything, but they've just the library just has so much information on on Northern Ohio research, and they've just got collections and collections of stuff. You know whether it's uh, related to him or not. But I'm guessing the uh, presidential library of any of any president is going to have information on that particular person. Mhm. I'm sure you're you're very much right. Yeah. Right on that one. Look and find it, find out if he's got some. And even even uh, the more recent presidents have have presidential libraries. I can't remember 
which one I was reading about, I think maybe Clinton and Reagan e even uh, have have them. So, oh, yeah, they do. In so fact, it's not uh, just, I think my father contributed money to the Reagan Library. Yeah, so it's not just the ancient ones. <laughs> well, Obama's putting together one, too, I think. Yeah, and he's only been out of office uh, a month or so. <laughs> yeah. He's already getting on it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite ancestor or one that is the most fun to research? Oh, boy. It's hard to choose just one, right? It's very difficult because the more you learn about somebody, the more you're interested in it. Um, I don't think I do. I, my favorite's whoever I'm researching at the time. If you if you can put yourself into their life and try to visualize what they're going through, that's what makes it so interesting. I mean, I, I had a my great grandfather was involved in the Teddy Roosevelt presidential election. He he was attending uh, rallies and speaking and doing that sort of thing. But prior to that, he had a family. Um, and his oldest son was shot accidentally by a classmate. And so they had to move, and they were at the time living, I believe, in West Virginia, and they moved to North Carolina to get my great-great-grandmother my great out of, or, yeah, my great-grandmother out of the area because she just about lost her mind when she lost her son. And then when you try to visualize, well, how did they make the trip? Well, they made the trip in a wagon, and the roads were, you know, dirt, and they had to ford a river. And from hearing my grandmother talk about it, she was a little girl. They almost lost the horses in the river, and they eventually got to where they were going. I mean, you know, just to put yourself in, in their time, that's, I think, what makes the studying so interesting and the history comes alive, and you appreciate how much they went through. And you're here because of that struggle they had. That's what makes it so much fun. Yeah, you got to take those 21st century blinders off where you're looking mm -hmm. at you're looking yeah. at everything from your own point of view. Kids aren't writing letters anymore, and I'm wondering what that's going to do ge to genealogy because I mean, people are not saving their emails. <laughs> you know, personal letters that people used to write, that, that's another tremendous source. I, I found when I was going through my parents' belongings, um, they're, they're both gone now, uh, I was sorting things, and I found, oh, probably six shoeboxes full of love letters written between 1942 and 1945 when they got married. And they weren't really love letters. They they loved each other, and they you could tell that they did. But in their love letters, they were talking about the movies they were seeing, and you'd learn, you know, you'd, you'd become familiar with the sayings they'd have. He was a swell guy, or, you know, and... That sort of thing, and there's there are no letters anymore for the future, and that's kind of sad. Well, Susan, we're about out of time. It's been a pleasure having you, so thanks again. If you want to check out the James Monroe Museum, it is jamesmonroemuseum.umw.edu, and Susan's website, you can find her at susanleachsnyder.com. That's Leach with an A, S-N-Y-D-E-R. Both of these links will be in the show notes at genealogyshowcase.com. Again, this is episode one. Genealogy Showcase is a production of the Genealogy Podcast Network. You can find other shows at genealogypodcast.com.
www.thebibleshop.com. 